0: Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, hi, everyone. Bless you. I'm going to dive into the Word of God. And thanks, Leon, for leading us in worship and experiencing God's presence together. Um, Even though we're online, we can experience His presence and enjoy His love and His goodness, His favour over our lives. I do have a strong word that I, I feel that is on the heart of Jesus for the church um, in this season. What we're facing right now, I really believe this is a heart. Uh, this is a word from the heart of Jesus. And I, some of the things I, just sh- and I share how the word came to me. It's like been stirring for the last number of weeks. And obviously, going through what we're going through with this pandemic, worldwide pandemic. And the fact that this is our second lockdown for Sydney, anyway, and it's the one of the large, longest lockdowns. And if we get out in October the eighteenth, it will be the longest one in Australia. I think two days more than Victoria's long one. And and you know, I'm asking God, what are you doing, Lord? What what's happening? What do you want to do? And and I've been thinking about the Lord. So the Lord is so wise and so he's a genius. He's full of wisdom, eternal wisdom, and. When John the Apostle was thrown at the island of Patmos, I mean, that was a pretty bad lockdown. I mean, you know, he doesn't have internet, doesn't have TV, doesn't have Netflix. He doesn't have all the, all the beautiful things that we have today when we're in lockdown. And he's all on his own, isolated, front on the island of Patmos. Yes, it's a beautiful island, but it was because of the Word of God that he was thrown there. And, and, and he has encounters with God. So in the midst of lockdown, he has an amazing encounter. And Jesus speaks to him through an angel. It delivers this message to an angel. Angel delivers it to John. John has an encounter with Jesus face to face also. But when it comes to speaking to the seven churches, I want to just tap on this a little bit quickly. The seven churches in those days, there were physical churches in Ephesus, in Smyrna, in Pergamon, in Theatera, um, in Sardis, in Philadelphia. Laodicea, the seven churches that Jesus spoke specifically to the very revelation they needed to hear. And everything they lacked in the church, He revealed Himself um, at the beginning as what they needed. If they lack the Word of God, he goes, he who has the sword uh, of the Spirit, and it reveals. And you know, if they lack something of holiness, he reveals about his holiness. Whatever the church lacked, he reveals himself, the revelation of himself to them, because what they needed was a revelation of Jesus. But what, what really stood out to me, because what Jesus gives to those seven churches, he in turn was thinking about all the church history from the birth of church in the book of Acts to when he comes back down. In other words, he prophetically speaks to every issue that the church will face for the 2,000 years. It's a prophetic picture and and actually God speaking to everything we'll ever face. He's amazing like that. And so he reveals these things. But to every one of those churches, whatever they were facing, they're all facing different things. To every one of them, he said, these words to him who overcomes to the church that lost their first love and got distracted with busy ministry and, and busy stuff and doing stuff for God and, and and got their eyes off God and they stopped they stopped falling in love with the Lord they, they weren't in love with the Lord anymore they lost their first love he says to him who overcomes I will grant to eat the tree of life. And, and then to the Smyrna church was talking about um, the church that was um, persecuted and the, the, the church that was in tribulation and they were going to be tested 10 days. Some of the, all these different churches were going through different things. Some churches faced sexual immorality with the spirit of Jezebel. And he and says, he who overcomes. To every church, Jesus says, he who overcomes. So whether it's coldness of heart, some were lukewarm. He says, I'll spit you out of my mouth because you're you're cold towards me. Some got distracted with the, the wealth of this world. He says, you think you're rich. But you're really poor, you know and, and he says, "Come to me and buy, buy gold, I'll give it to you and in other words this this was a wealthy city, a wealthy church, that got sort of comfortable in their riches, and they started thinking, we're okay, we're, they got comfortable they, they got apathetic, they got lazy, and so Jesus to every single one what, what what stirs me here it says to him who overcomes, to every one of them, and to some that that were were uh, had a reputation, they were alive, but they were dead, he said. You need to, you know, fix what remains and come back alive to me. And he says to, to them, he says, repent. He always talked about repent from your immorality. Repent from your coldness of heart. Repent from sexual immorality. Repent from the idol worship. All these different things. But he always said, he who overcomes. He who overcomes. Seven times he addressed them. Now, why is this important? He's not talking about, because he actually gives you promises. If you, He who overcomes, I'll give some the hidden manna. And I'll give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone with no one knows but he who receives it. Every time he talks about one time he says he who overcomes, oh, you will sit down on my father's throne as I have overcome and sat down on my father's throne. He gives promises to he who overcomes. The point I want to say is Jesus expects us to overcome what the world can throw at us. Jesus expects us. The word overcome is a Greek word called nikao. Nikao. Is the word nick in the Greek? It speaks of victory, it means to subdue, to be in triumph, it means to be victorious over the situation. So, when the world and the, and, the, and the enemy, Satan, and all those things throw whatever they can against us, Jesus says, He who overcomes everything that Satan throws against you, He actually expects us to be victorious, and there will be a reward. Always connected to a reward. Every time he says, he who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down on my, with me in my, my throne. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He gives a promise all the time. There's nothing to overcome in heaven. He's talking about he who overcomes here on earth. We can, we, God, Jesus expects us to overcome here on earth. When I get to heaven, there's nothing at all to overcome. So rem, rem, just rem, remember Jesus, the King, your Lord, your Savior, your God who lives in you. He expects you to overcome everything we face. Now, in that, with that in mind, my my mind went to um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For who whatever is born of God. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Think about that. For whatever is born, that word born, it speaks of The seed of God, the DNA of God. It's like the gene of God. We've got to have the DNA of God, the seed of God. We're born of His word and we're born of His spirit. We, we inherit His nature. The Bible talks about that we are partakers of divine nature by these exceeding great and precious promises. That's in First Peter or Second Peter, exceeding great and precious promises. we partake of His divine nature. So when you're born from the Word, born from the seed of God, his spirit comes in you and resurrects your dead spirit. You've got to have this encounter. you've got to have this experience. Like at the age of 19, I didn't know Jesus. I, I, I was a sort of, if you said to me, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. I sort of even thought I I thought I was a Christian. I was a Catholic background and grew up in a Catholic um, you know, home. And, and yeah, I, I believe in God, but I didn't live for God. I didn't live for Jesus. I didn't know Jesus. I lived for myself. But it says here, whenever, for whatever is born of God. I got born again at the age of 19. And you have to have this encounter, this experience. It's a real encounter with God. God changes your nature. You were dead to God, but He makes you alive with Him. It says, when you got this born-again experience, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. So what, what allows you and I to overcome the world? Our faith. Only our faith. And faith in what? Look what it says. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So who is the one who overcomes the world? Remember Jesus said to all those seven churches, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, he who, no matter even persecution unto death, even tribulation, even trials, a pandemic, whatever we have to face, Jesus is saying he who he who has victory. He expects you to have victory over these trials. He says, "How do we overcome this?" But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, just remember that. Let's turn to First Peter. First Peter gives us a really good insight here because it's our faith. Our faith in the Lord Jesus, His resurrection, that allows us to overcome the things of this world, right? Because you've got to believe the right way. Or else you go, but Leah, I've tried. I'm, I'm trying to overcome. I'm really sort of lonely. I'm I'm down. I'm, 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 I'm struggling with depression. And they're all real things, real trials, especially when you're in lockdown. And the things that are dear to us and even the things that God made dear to us you know these are godly things relationships fellowship family to see our loved ones our freedom to be able to walk out and 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 you know all these things they're real things and so when they're taken away what's left you know if our faith was focused only on those things and that's what gave us joy then we're going to lose that joy but i'm trying to say focus your faith directly to god in his promises what he has said to you in heaven, the inheritance. Let's have a look at First Peter. Really quickly, pick it up from um, chapter 1, verse 1. It's just too much. It's all good. So let's just read it. Peter, an apostle, a sent one of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens. Now that word might st- sound strange to you, but it actually means to those that reside here on earth as strangers, as a resident foreigner. In other words, God sees us as a stranger here on this earth. He sees us as a foreigner to this land, to this world we're foreigners because our citizenship is actually in heaven. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Listen to this, verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying, that word sanctifying means to set us apart, to cleanse us, to wash us, uh, sanctifying work of the Spirit. The Spirit cleanses us from the inside out. To obey Jesus Christ by sprinkling, by and be sprinkled with His blood, may grace, peace be yours in the fullest measure. We are sprinkled. That means we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So what happened when Jesus died on the cross? When He shed His blood in our place, He was the sinless Son of God. He never, ever sinned. But He took our place on the cross. That blood, that He was pure blood, the Son of the living God's pure blood, was judged in my place. So His blood cleanses us. Cleanses you when you put your faith in Him. It has cleansed me when I put my faith in Him at the age of 19, washed us clean, blessed. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again. There's that being born of God again. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be what? Born again. That word means born from above. You've got to be born from the heavenly realm. The Word of God that comes from heaven, the Spirit of the living God, God takes His Word, the Gospel, into your heart, plants it into your heart. The Holy Spirit comes in, regenerates, resurrects your dead spirit. And because the Word is in there, the seed, it comes alive. We come alive. Our spirit man that was dead comes alive. There's a powerful born-again experience. It says we're born again to a living hope. That word living means alive. In other words, this hope is alive. Where is this hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Where's your hope in? Where's my hope in? Not in this world. Not even in my freedoms, actually. My hope is in Jesus Christ from the resurrection of the dead. In other words, my hope is in the fact that Jesus paid the penalty on the cross, took my blame, took my judgment, consumed the judgment of God against me so that I could be forgiven. He he, he took on my unrighteousness on that cross because he became sin on the cross. Jesus did. So that I could become and you could become the righteousness of God in him. It was an exchange. And this is why it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died in our place as a man. He identified himself with man. He dies on the cross. But then because he's, <coughs> excuse he identifies himself with man, dies on the cross, he gets resurrected. He got resurrected for all of humanity so that we could now be resurrected. We, we identify with him and we receive what he has. It says, "...to obtain an inheritance... Which is imperishable. So through this resurrection of the dead, you and I obtain an inheritance. That word inheritance means an, an, to be an heir. Yeah. When you look it up, it says heirship. When you're an heir of someone, I, I, I was an heir of my father and mother's work, everything they ever did, everything they ever earned. When they passed away, we received an inheritance. And and our, the Bible says we are heirs. Isn't is the Bible we are heirs of God, and we're joint heirs with Christ. So what Christ has, we have. Imagine the thought of being an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ, his son. And that's what the Bible says about us. Now, In other words, our faith needs to be in the fact that our inheritance is in heaven. He says, which is imperishable, that means undecaying. The inheritance you have cannot be decayed by this world can't be affected by the pandemic can't be affected by a depression uh can't be def- you know, like a a money tree crash in a nation and even if the money went to zero it can't affect your inheritance it's undefiled is unsoiled can't be touched by this world and will not fade away that means it's perpetual and it says reserved in heaven for you so and you know, i be focused That there is an inheritance in heaven, you have a reward in heaven. Jesus even talked about that. I go away; I will. uh, He has he builds mansions for us. There's a mansion for each one of you that walk in obedience to God. God creates a perfect place in heaven for us to live out, to worship our King forever. Who look this? Who are protected? You and I are protected by the power of God through faith. So our faith is in the fact that we are protected by the power of God through faith, for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. So again, my faith is in the power of God. It protects me and brings us sozo. The word salvation means sozo, healing, wholeness, deliverance, freedom. I get this in- internally. I am, I'm whole. How could, how could uh, John be um, thrown in, in, in Ireland as, because of the word of God? So he's sort of captivity, but he's still free inside. Paul gets thrown in prison, but he's still free inside. You know That's the freedom that we have in Christ. Look at this. In this, you greatly rejoice. In this, you greatly... What in this? In this inheritance. In the fact of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Everything he did, he didn't do for himself. He did it for you. So he gave you his inheritance. We're an heir of God. Joint heirs with Christ. So in this, greatly rejoice. The Bible actually says to start rejoicing about the things that you have in heaven, your inheritance, your relationship with God right now, the fact that God's Holy Spirit is living inside you, that you're a son of God, daughter of God right now. Mm-hmm. It says, um, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. It's interesting like this. Look what it says. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, If necessary, you have been distressed. The word distressed means to be stressed, to feel grief, to be saddened by various trials. So even though you're in lockdown and I'm in lockdown, even though Sydney or New South Wales faces lockdown, Victoria does and other parts, we're in lockdown. Yes, there's some trials against our faith, but our focus has to be in the fact of what we have in heaven and the inheritance that we have in Christ and what we have right now. Not just when we get to heaven, but what we have now. Because that inheritance is a living hope. It's alive. It's now hope. It's not like, oh, when I get to heaven, then I get it. But our faith is focused on, I have a relationship with God. I have been given the treasures and the the hidden treasures of Christ. And that Christ, the Christ one, Jesus Christ, lives inside of us as a believer. And so in this, you greatly rejoice. So we're supposed to rejoice at the same time that we feel stress. Because of the trials that come against our physical world and our physical life. So that the proof of your faith, the word proof means the testing of your faith. So that the testing of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable. Gold is perishable. But but how is gold um, purified? How is gold? What happens to gold when it goes through the fire? It It says, the precious gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire. Gold is tested by fire, and it burns up the impurities. So, if there's impurities in the gold, it comes to the surface and it it gets burnt out, and the gold becomes more pure once it's gone through the fire. and And Peter is giving us a picture that your faith, when it goes through the trial, the fiery trials, when it goes through the there's a, there's a scripture in Second uh, Peter where Paul, Peter talks about the fiery trials. Don't be do I think it's strange when we face fiery trials. Our faith goes through the trials of this world, the tribulations. Remember the book of uh, Revelations, the seven churches, all the hardships that the world could throw at the church. Jesus says, he who overcomes. And how do you overcome? By faith. It's it's this faith in Jesus that helps us overcome what the world can throw at us. I hope you're hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church because yeah. Jesus kept saying to the seven churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying. So why are we in this place? Why are we here? What what should we learn out of it? I want to come out of this and look back and go, man, that was the time we grew the most. That was the time we grew closer to the heart of God. I want us as a church to look back and go, you know, we were purified. Our faith got stronger in the Lord and his word. Because you know, we might not have the fellowship and the time in person and, and be able to worship together in person. But again, what who is the church? The church is the people of God. Yes, we, we, as a church, bought a physical building, but the physical building is not the church. Good. We can't wait to gather together. Yes. But you know what? What, God, what is God purifying? What is God? I reckon He's purifying us to the Word. When every believer believes, they are a part of the body of Christ. Every believer is a priest unto God. Every believer evangelizes and tells others about Jesus. Every believer has a connection between them and the Father, direct with the Father. And they, because of Jesus Christ as the mediator. Every believer operates in the word of knowledge and the gifts and, and the power of God and heals the sick. And I mean, that's what God wants us, the mature church, to grow into unto Christ, to become mature like Him. Look what it says, right? It says, so that the testing of your faith, this trials tests our faith, so that the testing of your faith be more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found. Your faith and my faith may be found to to result in praise, glory, and honor. At what point? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes back, because our faith has gone through the fire, because our faith was focused on the right stuff. Right? Look what it says. And though you have not, Seen him. So again, it's all about Jesus. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with with joy, unsp- uh, joy inex- inexpressible and full of glory. You and I don't see him yet, but we love him, and the Bible says, "But believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory." We're supposed to have a joy that is inexpressible because of our joy of our relationship with Him and that one day we will see Him face to face. It says, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So what's the outcome of your faith? Your faith is being tested. What's the outcome of your faith? The salvation of your souls. Sometimes our, it didn't read here, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the benefit of your physical life. It didn't say that. You know, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, uh, more blessed in your home, a, a, a newer car, a, a better house, uh, more finances. I don't know. You read in what you think we th- our, our faith is focused on this physical world. The word says salvation of your souls, because when your soul is saved, the physical takes care of itself. I mean, we know that in 1 John. Above all things, John said, I wish that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. If your soul prospers and your soul walks in salvation to be sozoed, to be healed, to be delivered, to be free in your soul, the physical will take care of itself. But if you focus on the physical, you get your eyes off Jesus. If, you, if your faith is focused on i want to be a i want to be blessed in this and i want to, i want to, have to pay it off at home and I, I you know i want a, a promotion i want a, more money i, I want a, i want a better car i want a better this i mean i don't know what you're thinking but if we think if our fo- faith is focused there then your faith is not being purified the way the word of god wants to purify your faith just quickly james chapter 1 look what it says it says in verse 2 consider it all joy my brothers when you Encounter various trials. I mean, here again, it's telling us rejoice. You're supposed to consider it joy when you face various trials, but no one likes trials. See, it's, 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 a, it's a, not an oxymoron because our flesh doesn't like trials. We, we go for a hard time. It's the sadness, the grief, the, you know, it grieves us. But it says, but choose to rejoice when you face fiery trials or various trials, Knowing that, see, you can't rejoice unless you know something. Knowing that the testing of your faith, so when your faith is getting tested, it produces endurance. So when your faith is being tested, my faith, now what's being tested, pressure coming against my faith, distraction, pressure, other temptations, whatever it is doing to try to get my faith off the focus. What's my faith supposed to be on? The Word of God, the promises of my Father. What, in, out of relationship, what Jesus has said to me about my calling, about my destiny. My faith is on Him as a person, as my Lord. My faith is focused there. So the pressure, the testings that comes against my faith produces endurance. The word endurance means hopeful endurance, continuing and waiting. It, it, it's a cheerful endurance. It's a, a cheerful, hopeful Expectation, in other words, it produces your faith. I mean, this 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 producing endurance. Testing you know, of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result. In other words, can, what's what's enduring? Your faith is enduring. Your faith in in the promises. What's coming against you? The testings, the temptations, the distractions of this world, even skirmishes, and get us off the, Jesus, and let's fight on issues that are irrelevant to loving Jesus and preaching the gospel and staying true of the mission staying true to the mandate staying, what is the mandate to make disciples to preach the gospel of the kingdom to demonstrate the kingdom here on earth so so we can easily get distracted fight little fires fight fire throw that fire out Fire that fire out and you know the thing to do I heard even recently in one of the conferences it's it, they said do not die on a mountain you were never called to fight on some people are dying on mountains they were never called to fight on. Stay true to the mission. Stay true to your relationship with Jesus. Every single one in the, in the book of Revelations, those seven churches, it was always about Jesus. He always says, repent, come back to me. Repent. Was, and he always revealed himself at the beginning of that, uh, the chapter to the, 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 the church. Always a revelation of who Jesus is. So what does it say? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, let endurance have its perfect the word perfect means matured result. In other words, keep holding on, keep holding on, keep holding on until you become a full mature person in your, the result or the work it's producing so that you may be perfect, mature and complete, lacking nothing. Why do you lack nothing? Because your faith got what it wanted. Your faith stayed focused on the word. Your faith stayed focused on Jesus. And you end up persevering, persevering on the promises, persevering on the promises, and then you end up receiving. That's that's full maturity. You fall, mature, you grow into perfection. The word perfection means full maturity, completeness. Why? Because you lack nothing because you've got everything you want. And if you you lack, it says, but if any of you lacks wisdom in these circumstances, then pray and the Father will give you wisdom. When you quickly look at Philippians, let's finish up with this. Are we doing for time? All right. Philippians, it says, where are we? I want to quickly, before we go to chapter 3, the beginning of chapter 2 tells us, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent in one purpose, united in Spirit, main purpose, one purpose, and it talks about the same mind, have the same mind, same purpose, same love. It gives Paul joy. Remember, Paul, when he wrote the book of Philippians, was in lockdown. He's in jail. He's lost his freedom. Yet he can write a book like this. I mean, Paul, again, so close to the Father heart, so close to Jesus that he he pens these scriptures and gives us so much revelation. While he's in lockdown, I mean, think of Paul. He's thinking, "I want to get to Spain," uh, and he, in the scriptures he talks about, "I want to get to Spain." He never got to Spain. He, he, he looks like we understand that he had, his head got beheaded. He, you know, he offered his life for uh, as a martyr for Jesus in Rome, and he, and but yet, you know what? The word, the scriptures, fourteen letters of the New Testament yeah. he got to Spain, not just to Spain, all around the world, all the nations of the world for two thousand years. So when he thought, oh, "I'm contained." Uh, he, he said, the word of God's not chained. He actually wrote that in jail. He goes, he goes I'm, I'm in jail, but the word of God's not chained. Mm-hmm. He understood that the word will still go forward. Right. And so we've got to understand, while we're in this, what's God trying to teach us? God, He's trying to show us we're all priests. We're all ministers under God. We can all flow in the power of God. We can all evangelize. You know? And, and what I'm talking about right now, not, oh, when we get to our building, oh great, I'll invite someone to church. No, the building's not church, you're the church. When you bump into someone down the street, when you're going to buy your groceries, talk to someone about Jesus. Tell them how much God loves them. Pray for the sick. You know, Release the kingdom of heaven. Be kind. Buy, bake a cake. Give it to your neighbor. Do kind yes. things and love your neighbors. Love the people that you're, in, you're flowing with and connecting with. I just want to show us that because he says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do nothing a selfish ambition and in, uh, in philippians chapter 3 we'll pick it up from verse 7 it's actually a, a powerful powerful jam-packed chapter because he talks about the gospel is a great leveler why does it level us and put us all on the same plane Because none of us can bring our righteousness to God. None of us can bring our theology to God. None of us can bring our convictions, our beliefs to God to make us holy. None of us can bring any of this stuff and bring it to God and say, that's what makes me righteous. None of us. It's the great leveler because Paul says, what was to my prophet? You know, I was born uh, you know, uh, a son of a, a Pharisee. I was the, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. According to the law, I was a Pharisee. Uh, uh, as, as zeal, I was persecuting the church. And according to the righteousness of the law, yes, I was blameless. In other words, but whatever these things gained to me, those things I've counted lost for the sake of Christ. I can't bring none of the, nothing that I've ever done, none of my efforts, none of my theology, none of my convictions, nothing. I can't bring it to God and say, that's what gets me right. No, he's saying more than that. I count all things loss. Why? In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What's his main focus? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he goes, I count everything rubbish so that I can know him. What's his focus? What's his mission? What's his, why is he here on this earth? To know Jesus Christ, his Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. For him, I'm willing to suffer everything. The loss of everything, so I can know Him, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. It's all about Him. I wanted I do this so I can gain Christ and be found in Him again. It's all about Him, not having a righteousness of my own, deprived from the law. Uh, sorry, derived from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. There's that word faith again. The righteousness that comes from God, the basis of faith in Him. So if you're an unbeliever right now, if you don't know Jesus for yourself, it's this faith in what God did in Jesus on the cross that makes you right with Him. When you put your faith that God loved you enough to send Jesus to die on the cross, He forgives you and washes you of all your sins. Have you have ever done cleansed, deleted, gone forever, not a record? Once you put your faith in Him and give Him your life and make Him Lord of your life. And you say, Lord, I promise to follow You all the days of my life. I turn away from my selfishness, my sin, and I give You my heart. Come live in my heart. That's the born again experience. Yes, so that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering and being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Yes, basically, He's saying, I'm doing all this so I can know Him. Not just know Him, the power of His resurrection, the, the fellowship of His suffering. I want to understand what it means to suffer the way Jesus suffered. In other words, die to the flesh until I'm conformed to His death. And He's talking spiritually here that we die to our flesh. Our physical body wants certain things. You say no to that, no to the cravings, no to what your flesh desires so that you, you, you're, you're crucifying your flesh. You're picking up your own cross so that you receive the resurrection. Yes, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So he's talking about not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect. There's that word again, or complete or mature. But I press on so that I may lay hold for that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. He's basically saying, I'm pressing on to the very thing that motivated Jesus to pay a price for me. So whatever motivated Jesus, which was the unconditional love of God, he was so in love with you that he laid down his life on the cross. I'm pressing on so that the very thing that motivated him to lay down his life for me, I want that to motivate me to lay down my life for him. He's basically saying, I want the same love that motivated him to love me. I want to love him back for that reason. He goes, Brethren, I do not regard myself having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, one thing he does, one thing, forgetting what lies behind, reaching towards what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize, it means reward of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We, we, we let go of the past, the good, the successful, the ugly, the sins, the, the failures, but even the success stories. You let go. That's not going to qualify you. All the stuff you've ever done right for God and good for God, you might have raised the dead, healed the sick. You, you, you let go of the past and you press on. There is a future in God for every single one of you you and us. In all our togetherness. If you're a believer, there's a future in God that is a high reward. A reward that is a high calling. And Paul says, I do this. And he has, and I love this attitude. He says, let us therefore, as many as are mature, complete and mature, have this attitude. What attitude? Seek after Jesus. To know Him and make Him known. And if anyone has any different attitude, God will reveal even this to you. He's, he's trying to say he's focusing everyone into go back to the mandate. Stay in love with Jesus. Stay focused. With, preach this gospel of the kingdom. Let's make disciples. That's the mandate. Make disciples of all nations and lead them into Jesus and, and disciple them to become more like Jesus. That's a, that's a part of our mandate. Stay focused. Don't get distracted on little fights here and there, skirmishes. And some people make the little, little distractions, the whole thing. When you major in a minor, you always minor in the major. Very good. Remember that. If you major in the minor things, and that becomes your gospel. That becomes your message. That becomes your life message. You're already ma- minoring in the major thing, which is Jesus Christ and His kingdom. So let's stay focused in this season. Let's stay focused in this time. If you don't know Jesus and you're hearing this message for the first time, it should sound like good news. God is saying, I paid the penalty for you at the cross. God sent His Son to pay the penalty of your sin, your judgment that you deserve, that I deserve. But God says, I'll forgive you for free if you put your faith in Jesus. So if you pray with me right now, there's people online, whether you're watching on YouTube, Facebook or any other social media, and you want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior. He is the King of the world. He's coming back to this earth. He will judge every person. The Bible says this, He's coming back. We know that for a fact, for a reality. Jesus is coming back. And so we can meet Him. And we can meet Him now so that we can meet Him then. So just have to repeat this prayer with me. If you're ready to accept Jesus. Say, Father God, I thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus. For dying on the cross in my place. He was judged for my sin. Paid the penalty for my sin. I turn away from my sin and my selfishness. I give You my heart. I open up the door of my heart. Jesus, come in by your Spirit, fill my heart, fill my life, be my Lord, be my Savior. Now, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, the Father accepts you into His kingdom. And you become a son or a daughter of God. I want you to tell someone about it. Tell, you know, give us a call. Uh, Get on our prayer list or, or let other people know. Let other people know you become a Christian, but you need to now read the Word, read the Bible for yourself, and become a follower and a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. I want to bless you with this Word. And just let's, let's take these Scriptures, if you have to, go through them for ourselves. And let's allow the Holy Spirit to purify our faith in this season. So we come out of this season, whether it's three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, who knows, when we do come out, we're coming out, we are coming out with an overcoming faith. That we actually, are, I've got an attitude of overcoming right now. Amen. Bless you. I Thank you. I just pray for the release of the spirit of overcoming faith. Lord, if we were struggling, if we were feeling a little bit down, a little bit negative, a little bit depressed, our faith is in heaven. Our faith is in our inheritance in heaven. Our faith is in the fact that we already have these treasures in Christ, in our hearts that we have already arrived because of what Jesus did on the cross. We accept that and we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. Bless you, God. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website ggclife.com or email us GGClife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.